Why is the true gospel of Jesus Christ neglected in professing Christianity? Why do we hear instead a different gospel from that taught by Jesus, his apostles, and first century Christianity? Why is the message Jesus proclaimed for three and a half years ignored and forgotten? The answer to these questions is simple. A substitute gospel entered the professing Christian world shortly after the early church began, and the true message of Jesus Christ has been supplanted ever since. But how can that be? Surely the messages heard throughout the land on Sunday mornings must be the same as Jesus proclaimed. Sadly, it's not true. Many of you viewing this telecast read your Bible. You know what that message is that Jesus proclaimed. Or do you? Is it possible even you have been deceived? I give you this challenge today. Look into what the Bible says and compare it with the message you think Jesus preached during his ministry. Because I can almost guarantee that the true gospel of Jesus Christ has not been preached in the denomination you grew up in. Does that sound too brash, too arrogant to say? Is it too politically incorrect to tell you the truth? As we often repeat on this program, don't believe us just because we say it, and don't believe your minister or priest just because he says it. Prove it for yourself right out of the pages of your Bible. So if you want to hear what the true gospel is, stay with me. I'll be back in five seconds. A warm welcome to all of you from all of us here at Tomorrow's World. The true gospel that Jesus taught is not being preached in mainstream professing Christian churches. Now, I know that is a bold statement, and I don't expect you to believe it without biblical proof. If the gospel you've been hearing is not the same as that proclaimed by Jesus, and if you can prove for yourself from the pages of the Bible, what will you do about it? Think about it. A Christian is supposed to be one who follows Christ. So who will you follow? Christ? A popular denomination? A charismatic teacher? Family tradition? Will you continue attending the, quote, church of your choice? if it's not proclaiming the gospel brought by Jesus? Or will you take another path? This is a serious question that may call for courageous action. How important is it to understand and believe not just any gospel, but the true gospel? Notice what Jesus said at the very beginning of his ministry as recorded in Mark, the first chapter, and verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Yes, that's a command straight from Jesus. Repent and believe in the gospel. But how can you believe in something if you've never been taught what it is? Oh, but you are not deceived. You know what that message was. Don't be too sure, because you're not hearing it in mainstream Christianity. So what is that message? Do you care to know? Or are you comfortable with a counterfeit just as the first century Corinthians were? Notice how the Apostle Paul soundly corrected them for their careless attitude in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and verses 3 and 4. 
But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, he says, you may well put up with it. Wow, a different Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel? If the Corinthians could be deceived to whom the great apostle to the Gentiles was sent, how about you? Is it possible that you too could be fooled? Could you be worshiping a different Jesus and believing a different message from the one he proclaimed during his three and a half year ministry? Paul did not care about political correctness. He called out these deceivers for what they were in verses 13 through 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. No, these ministers did not look evil, but they appeared as ministers of righteousness. And do we think it is any different today? There are a lot of charismatic preachers in our world. Many are kind-hearted and do lots of wonderful works, feeding the poor, carrying on campaigns to, quote, bring people to Christ. But here's what Jesus said in Luke, the sixth chapter and verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Notice he also said this in Matthew, the seventh chapter and verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Many people claim Jesus to be their Lord and master. It's easy to claim him as master, but not so easy to live as though he were your master. The apostle John dealt with the same issue of people professing to know Christ, but living their own way. Have you ever been asked, do you know the Lord? How do you answer that question? Well, here's how John answers it in the second chapter of his first letter. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Now circling back, what were the two commandments Jesus gave at the beginning of his ministry? Repent and believe in the gospel. But how can you believe in something you've never heard? I understand that is shocking to hear that the true gospel of Jesus Christ is not taught in professing Christianity today. That is why I'm challenging you to prove it for yourself from the pages of the Bible. The apostle Paul said, anyone preaching another gospel is under a curse. Therefore, it's vital for you to know exactly what it was that Jesus and the first century apostles taught. Today's free offer, Do You Believe the True Gospel?, points you to the scriptures that spell out that message with absolute clarity. 
You'll be shocked to learn what is plainly stated in the pages of your own Bible. So order your copy of Do You Believe the True Gospel? Just call the toll-free number shown on your screen or go to twtv.org gospel. And when I come back, I'll show you in his own words what Jesus said he came to earth to proclaim. For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531 or go to twtv.org gospel. This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. If you're calling for the first time, you will also receive a free annual subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, 10 inspiring issues discussing news, science, and modern culture will help you make sense of your world from a biblical perspective. Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to tomorrow's world for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. Call now or go to twtv.org gospel. Welcome back. Why is it that people refuse to believe what Jesus said? Why is it that so few are willing to simply read the scriptures and understand them for what they say? As we saw earlier in the program, Mark tells us that Jesus gave two commandments at the beginning of his ministry. Repent and believe in the gospel. But what is that gospel? Before the break, I told you that I would show you in his own words what Jesus said he came to earth to proclaim. So here it is in Luke, the fourth chapter, and verses 42 and 43. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Yes, for this purpose he was sent. And the message he was to proclaim was the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? Do you know? Does it matter? Absolutely, according to the Apostle Paul, here's what he wrote to the people of Galatia, chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So what was it that Paul taught? Was it the same gospel Jesus proclaimed, or was it a different message? At the very end of the book of Acts, where we find the apostle in Roman custody, long after he brought the truth to the people of Galatia, Here's what we read in chapter 28 and in verse 23. So when they, that is the Jews in Rome, had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. Notice that while he taught them about Jesus and how he was the fulfillment of many prophecies, his testimony involved the same message Jesus was sent to proclaim, the kingdom of God. 
Now notice verses 30 and 31, the last two verses found in the book of Acts. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So what exactly is this kingdom of God that Jesus and the early apostles taught? Some think of it as a nice sentiment, something set up in the hearts of men. Many think the church in today's evil world is the kingdom of God. Others think it is about going to heaven. And as outrageous as it may sound today, some people once thought the British Empire was the kingdom of God. None of these are correct. But the kingdom Jesus proclaimed was not a sentiment in one's heart. It was not about going to heaven. It was not the church. And it was not about Christianity taking over the world. It was a message about a very real kingdom set up on this earth with a king, with territory, subjects, and laws. We'll see that in the next segment of this program, right from the pages of the Bible. But I want to offer you a resource that shows this in far greater detail than I have time to cover on this short program. Do you believe the true gospel leaves no doubt as to what Jesus and the early church taught, nor exactly what that kingdom is? I truly believe that all of our free resources are of vital importance, but do you believe the true gospel is especially so? How can you claim to be a true Christian if you don't know what the gospel is that Jesus proclaimed? So order your free copy today, and when I return in 15 seconds, we'll see in detail what is the kingdom of God. This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. Call now or go to twtv.org gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that he proclaimed for three and a half years prior to his crucifixion, the same gospel that his original apostles and first century church of God taught is not the message heard in mainstream churches today. So far, we've only looked at a few of the dozens of scriptures proving this point. We've seen that a substitute gospel was extant even in the early years of the church. But the true gospel was, without a doubt, about the kingdom of God. So it's time to see what exactly is that kingdom of God. It's self-evident that a kingdom is a government which must have four elements, a king, subjects, territory, and laws. Does the Bible tell us about such a kingdom? The answer is yes, it does. Beginning in Daniel 2, we read of an unusual dream given to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The prophet Daniel was given understanding and explained to the king that the giant image he saw in his dream represented four great empires that would arise in the area of the Middle East and the Mediterranean. The first was that of Nebuchadnezzar's Chaldean Empire. Then history shows it was followed by the Medo-Persian, the Greco-Macedonian, and the Roman empires. This last empire would continue in one revival after another until the end of the age when the God of heaven would set up a kingdom. Let's pick up the story in verse 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. 
and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. These same four kingdoms are described in Daniel 7, but instead of a giant image of a man, they're depicted in greater detail in the form of four wild beasts. And again, the last one continues down to the end of the age, Daniel 7 and verse 27. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Jesus elaborated on this kingdom in his parables. And as we have already seen earlier in this program, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. That's in Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 43. Do you realize, my friends, that Jesus gave us the answer to all four elements of this divine kingdom? He explained who would be the king of the kingdom, who the subject of the kingdom would be, where the kingdom would be located, and what would be the laws governing the kingdom. In the remainder of this program, let's look at each one beginning with who would be the king of the kingdom. The prophet Isaiah prophesied of him in this famous passage found in the ninth chapter and verses six and seven. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This was a clear reference to the one who had come to set up a literal government on earth. Many passages point us to none other than Jesus Christ as that king. But let's look at one of them. When Jesus appeared before Pilate, he asked him a very direct question, and Jesus gave him a very direct answer. John, the 18th chapter, and verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. But how do we know that this was not figurative language? Did Jesus mean it was a real kingdom? And where would it be set up, in heaven or on earth? And who would be the subjects of this kingdom? I'll answer these questions in a minute, but first, let me remind you of our fascinating resource do you believe the true gospel? Most professing Christians are confident that they know what Jesus' message was, but few do. Any follower of Jesus Christ needs to be sure. Do you believe the true gospel shows what that message was in intimate detail? It will guide you through the Bible and show you what you may be missing. So don't hesitate to request your free copy of Do You Believe the True Gospel? Just pick up the phone and call the toll-free number or go to our website at twtv.org gospel. It's that simple. And when I come back, we'll see where that kingdom will be, who will be its subjects, and what will be the laws that govern the kingdom. For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531.
or go to twtv.org gospel. This clear and straightforward resource will help you understand this vital truth straight from the pages of the Bible. If you're calling for the first time, you will also receive a free annual subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, 10 inspiring issues discussing news, science, and modern culture will help you make sense of your world from a biblical perspective. Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to tomorrow's world for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. Call now or go to twtv.org gospel. On today's program, I'm asking and answering the question, what is the gospel Jesus preached? As we've seen in the previous segments, the message Jesus proclaimed for three and a half years prior to his crucifixion was that of the kingdom of God. And that was the same message preached by his apostles and first century Christians. Now, before the break, I said we'll look at where that kingdom will be set up, who will be its subjects, and what will be the laws governing that kingdom. One of Jesus' most famous parables is found in Luke, the 19th chapter. He gave it in response to a misunderstanding. Let's notice it beginning in verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable, because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. There was no question that he spoke about the kingdom to be set up. It was only a matter of when. So in response to their lack of understanding, he begins by representing himself as a nobleman on a mission. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now, notice that he states here that he would receive a kingdom and return. We read of him being crowned in a future coronation ceremony in Daniel, the 7th chapter, and verses 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory, and note this, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Now back to the parable of the Minas. What are his servants to do until he returns? Are they to live out their lives with nothing to do? Or are they, are we, expected to grow in grace and knowledge and to do His work? Let's notice Luke 19 once again, this time beginning in verse 13. So He called ten of His servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. And so it was that when He returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. Yes, Jesus was born to become a king. He came 2,000 years ago proclaiming the message about his coming kingdom, and to give his life a ransom for many. 
He gave parables showing that we can be born into that kingdom by the resurrection from the dead and we can rule with him. We must be changed from physical to spirit, as clearly stated in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter and verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. One must be born into the kingdom of God, no longer flesh and blood. But then what? Where are those cities that God's servants will rule over, the ones spoken of by Jesus in the parable of the Minas? Are those cities in heaven? Not according to your Bible, not according to Revelation, the fifth chapter and verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. But who will they rule over? Who are these subjects? Notice in Zechariah, the 14th chapter. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Read all of Zechariah 14, and you'll see that these subjects will be flesh and blood human beings who survived the Great Tribulation and the Day of the Lord. These are not servants of God up in heaven, but carnally-minded individuals who will learn God's perfect way and also have a chance for salvation just as we have. In summary, the king of the kingdom will be Jesus Christ, as we saw in Luke, the 19th chapter and verse 12. The territory will be here on earth, Revelation 5, verse 10. The subjects will be flesh and blood humans, Zechariah 14, 16. And the laws of God will govern Christ's kingdom, Matthew 19 and verse 17. There is far more on this subject than I've had time to cover. That's why we're offering this free resource, Do You Believe the True Gospel? It goes into much greater detail right from the pages of your Bible. So be sure to order your free copy today. And if the line is busy, wait a few minutes and try again. Or you can order a copy online at twtv.org gospel. And be sure to come back again next week when Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, Rod McNair, and I will continue to share with you the revelation of Jesus Christ, the good news of the coming kingdom of God, and the exciting end time prophecies and their meaning. Be sure to join us right here next week at this same time. For today's free offer, call 1-800-236-0531 or go to twtv.org gospel. Call today and join millions around the world who are turning to tomorrow's world for truth, prophecy, and hope in these confusing times. The preceding program is produced by The Living Church of God. Do you have the feeling our world is going in the wrong direction? A very bad direction? Where can you turn to make sense of a world that is spinning out of control? Tomorrow's world exposes the truth and reveals the real reasons behind today's news. And it just brings a peace of mind that I just really need in this time. Tomorrow's World magazine makes sense of today's chaos, looking at history, science, and current events through the pages of the Bible. It helps me be a better person. 
And for us, it's really about the hope. The nice thing is that the subscription is free. Join over 450,000 loyal readers and enjoy peace of mind knowing what's ahead. In times like these, we need real answers. Clarity, not confusion, and truth instead of lies. Jesus commands, freely you have received, freely give. So every subscription is completely free. Visit twmagazine.org to get yours now.